Let's pray. Father God, help us to listen to you this morning. You are the God who created us, who saved us, who transforms us into your holy and forgiven people in Jesus. Lord God, give us ears to hear what you have to say to us through your holy word today. Lord God, cause us to live for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. One of the sad things of the Christian world is that churches divide over really silly reasons. Whether it be the use of a piano bench, a new church name, the pipe organ back in the day, the spelling of hallelujah, or even the colour of the carpet or the wall. They may sound ridiculous, but these are all real stories of real churches who've divided over the most ridiculous reasons. One particular story I read, uh, Text the Cake, uh, this church has split 47 times in the past century. 47 times. And most of these were for silly reasons, like whether the offering should be taken up before or after the sermon, the music style of the church, having flowers on stage in the hall, the church name that they were going to change to, how communion was done. And recently, they split over whether it's okay to check emails on Sunday. It seems ridiculous, but churches don't always split over big theological issues. In fact, most church splits are because of trivial, disputable matters. And that's the phrase we find at the end of Romans 14 verse 1, which is the beginning of this section today. It says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. That's the beginning of the section that ends with today's passage in Romans 15. And this word, opinions, disputable matters, or matters of indifference, it's about stuff that's not essential to the gospel message. You see, the Roman church was dealing with problems between two groups, the Jewish and the Gentile Christians. And here the Jewish Christians are called the weak in faith. Uh, these guys, they're the rule keepers. They follow Jesus, but they still hold on to the food and the Sabbath laws. They probably thought themselves that they were strong in faith. The ones who were more Christian than the rest. But Paul labels them here as weak, the weak in faith. And the Gentile Christians are called the strong in faith here. They believed in Jesus dying to set us free from sin and the law. And this included setting us free from all the rituals and customs. So they could eat anything and they could drink what they wanted to. And they could do this without wondering if it was ritually clean or not. And they weren't bound to the Sabbath rituals or fasting and the festival days. And you see here in Paul's time in the first century, these two groups in the Roman church, they were bashing heads big time. And both groups, they weren't going about it in a godly way either. And it wasn't about a gospel issue or else Paul would have said something different here. 
And if you have time later, Romans 14 is a great and challenging read, but we're focusing on the end, on Romans 15 today. And you know, the church today, in our generation, is not too different. We're prone to suffer the same tension, different groups, different people, different views, and having tension, division, and disunity over disputable issues, matters of indifference, things that are trivial to the gospel message. And confronting this isn't easy. I think most of the time, uh, we don't deal with these sorts of matters well at all. We let these divisions and tensions simmer and boil. We pretend that we're united, but really when you look under the bonnet, this guy won't serve with that guy, this girl won't talk to that girl, this group won't invite that guy out, or we just divide and we never talk about it. And it's hard for us to even consider that we could be wrong, that I could be wrong, because we always assume we're right, don't we? That we're the strong one in faith. Of course I'm right. Of course he's wrong. And most of the time we forget that it's not just about who's right and wrong. We divide and relationships and fellowship breaks down. And we forget, we forget, don't we, about unity, our unity in Christ crucified. So this morning, I think we need to listen to God's word to see how God wants us to glorify him together as one body, as his people, the church. Because that's what Paul wants out of this discussion. That's where today's passage lands. Paul wanting the church to be united, one, as a body in glorifying God. And God wants us, Hertford Street, the global body of believers of God's people, to be united as one body in glorifying God, that despite and through our non-essential differences, that through our coming together in Christ in the gospel, and our living together with the example of Christ, that we would stand together as a church, as one to give glory to God. We're not getting into Romans 14, but as a summary, the chapter goes like this. Verse 1 to 9, it's all about accepting one another. Verse 10 to 12, it's all about not judging others. And verse 13 to 23, it's all about not stumbling others. So over these opinions, these disputable matters, these non-gospel issues... The question today is, how are we to relate with one another? And now we come to Paul's final instruction at the end of the section, beginning of today's passage, in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. You see, Paul, he's saying to the strong, don't please yourselves. Then he says the same thing to both groups. Please others, our neighbors. Live in a way that builds others up. 
accept others in a way that encourages them in the gospel. Be respectful and mindful of others for their benefit. And you know, I think this is a pretty hard thing to do, to be other person centered. That if the issue isn't a gospel issue, to put them aside, especially if you think you're right, and to bear with, to please, to build others up. In fact, our society, our Western society, tells us that we should please ourselves, to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and if others aren't okay with it, then it's not my problem, it's their problem. Don't go above and beyond for anyone else but you, because it's your life and not theirs. I think COVID is showing that up pretty clearly. And sometimes, many times, we import this mentality into the church. And we want our way so much. We want to exercise our freedom so much that unity in the gospel goes out the window, that the gospel stops becoming our center. But Paul says that those who are strong are to please others instead of ourselves, to go over the top to respect those who have differing views to us. You see, that's what it means to love them, to prioritize their good and to build them up, to bear with their failings and to accept them instead of mocking them or distancing them, to welcome them, to have fellowship with them despite your differences and to make that sacrificial play for the sake of others. And the end goal, all of this is for their good and to build them up. And Paul, he's not done, he keeps going. And he says that behind this instruction stands Christ Jesus himself. You see, this way of life, this way of relating is the gospel way of life. Not pleasing ourselves, but following the example of Christ. Verse 3, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. You see, as the Roman church adopted this way of pleasing others, as we today stop pleasing ourselves and begin to please our neighbours, we're actually following in the footsteps of Jesus. We're taking up our cross and following him. We're actually living the gospel out in our lives. Because remember, Christ didn't please himself. His work on the cross was the ultimate work of not pleasing himself. You see, he made the ultimate sacrificial play for us. He took the insults that we hurled at God and he bore them on himself. He became man and he died for us. And if this is the example of Christ, our Lord and Saviour, our King, then we should really take it on board as we follow Jesus and learn to live for him. Not pleasing ourselves, but following the example of Christ. You see, we're to go about our faith in a way that doesn't stumble others, that doesn't judge others, that doesn't offend 
your brother or sister in Christ over matters of indifference, non-gospel issues, but instead going about our faith in Jesus in a way that in fact pleases your, your neighbour, that loves them, that honours and respects them, that's for their good and their growth, even amidst disagreements in matters of indifference, so that our church, this body of Christ, is transformed by the gospel, that we'll have a real peace in Christ in our fellowship, that we're truly united to him, and through all of this, God is glorified. So let me ask you, as we finish off this morning, what matters of indifference might be dividing you from a brother or sister in Christ? Is it views about COVID? Is it views about music in church, morning tea, online service or in-person service? Is it about a non-gospel theological issue? What people do on Sundays? How they use their money? Or is it about some other trivial issue? And let me ask you, how are you living for Jesus as you relate to these people despite their issues? Are you pleasing them? Are you sacrificing for their good? Are you building them up in Christ? And are you maintaining unity and fellowship in the gospel? Because that's what it's all about in the end. Unity in the gospel. Listen to Paul's conclusion in verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as we accept one another, love one another, and please our neighbour, as we stop judging others, as we stop stumbling others, and stop pleasing ourselves only, that this is the end goal. Unity in Christ. Unity in Jesus, adopting gospel and Christ-driven attitudes as we relate to each other, living out the example of Jesus towards one another in our fellowship. Falls of Jesus, you and me living together in love despite our differences. Just imagine how awesome that fellowship would be. And when this happens, when we're being transformed in this way as we live for Jesus together, God is glorified. The praise and the thanksgiving is to Him and Him alone. So Paul finishes by reminding us as we finish up in verse 7, Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray together to this end. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, that through his death and resurrection, 
we can come to you as your free and forgiven people. Lord God, there's a lot of things in our word, world that can divide our unity in Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live together as the body of Christ, to accept one another, to love one another, and to please our neighbours instead of ourselves. And work in us, Lord God, so that we won't judge or stumble each other. And instead that you'd help us to keep pointing each other to the unity we share in Christ and his saving work for us. And Lord, help us to let Jesus be our example and our motivation as we seek to live together in your kingdom under his lordship. Lord God, we want our church to glorify you. We want to give you glory. Work in us to this end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.